Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family. But most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children. Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children. See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. So I think it's very important, Dana, that we start our first podcast and open it up by educating our public. You know, I'm a true believer that education is something that each and every one of us strive for, and, and education in many different ways. You know, I'm not talking about always just getting into the book, but actually knowing your community. And I feel like one of the reasons why I wanted to get involved with Comfort Cases when I saw you on Ellen, I had no idea that kids carried their belongings in a trash bag. And I just happened to catch that. And I was like, what's going on here? And I turned the volume up. And then I watched and I heard your story and you and Reese talking about your kids. And I realized you were right here, you know, in Maryland where we're based. And I'm like, I have to get involved with this. And, you know, I've learned all these different things about what a huge problem the foster care system is, how many children are in care, why they're in care, how they're treated, the trauma they suffer. And I just, I had no idea. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's what I see as I travel the country and talk about kids that are in the system is that people just don't know and they don't know. And the things that they do know are not correct. They're not correct. You know, we haven't truly had a good count of how many kids are in the system for the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, the projection shows that we're at least a half a million kids in our foster care system in the United States. Um, that's a huge number. Oh, absolutely it is. Half a million children. Half a million. And when you hear the statistics that only 54% of them graduate from high school, I know you and I live in the same county here in Maryland. And could you imagine, could just imagine Imagine if you turned on the local TV and they said that the class of 2020, the class of 2020, that only 54% of them will graduate. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's, we, it's unbelievable. You know, I, we wouldn't allow it. We would have the superintendent's head on a platter. I know how we are as a county. Oh, yeah, in Montgomery (laughs) County, yep. (laughs) And as you and I as parents, as active parents, you know, this isn't acceptable. And I say it all the time. These kids are our kids. They're our kids. Yes, absolutely they are. And I think people also assume that foster care is, it's happening somewhere else. It's not happening right here in my community. It's not, there's, there's no children in care that are at my child's school. And now I know that that's also not true. Exactly. I mean, I say this all the time. Foster care is not a black thing. It's not a white thing. It doesn't matter where you live. Foster care is in your community. It's in your community. And if it's in your community, you need to educate yourself about it. And that's what I'm hoping that this podcast does, is that we bring some light onto something that people don't talk about. You know, I would bet most of the people that are listening to this podcast um, probably have not said the F word. And I don't mean the dirty one. (laughs) You know, No, we won't be using that word here. (laughs) Yeah, but I, I, I guarantee you they haven't said foster care or they haven't even thought about foster care. I've had people say, well, I thought the government took care of that. You know, 
It's, yeah, the government isn't very good at taking care of much, are they? <laughs> no, and especially when it comes to our youth. When it comes to our... I mean, these are a group of unbelievable humans who, by the way, have no voice. They have no voice. It, to me, is the most unacceptable thing as a, as a, as a community, as a state, as a nation, as a human race that we have forgotten these children. And, you know, I, I want people to remind everyone that, number one, children who come into the foster care system, let's, let's understand, first of all, Dana, let's talk about how do these kids end up in this system? Right. Okay? How mm-hmm. do the kids end up in this system? I, I think that people need to realize is that, number one, they end up in the system because of choices. Repeat, choices. You'll hear Dana and I talk a lot about choices through this podcast journey that we're going to go on because I truly do believe that, you know, we all have choices and kids come in the system because of choices other people made. The adults in their lives. Yes. Yes. The adults in their lives. And so they go into a system because of either neglect or abuse. Okay. And let's, let's talk about a little bit about that neglect. Okay. That, that's a big word. I think, you know, I think when people hear the word neglect, um, there's lots of things that we think about, but we have to understand it. What is the best for a child? You know, if a child is sitting in a home and, you know, a good example is look at me as a little boy when I was growing up. I mean, you could easily classify my parents in the neglect category because there was no love. There was no warmth. There was no one, you know, hugging and kissing. That truly isn't neglect. Okay. Neglect is, is a child who, you know, isn't being fed isn't being clothed safety and i think we see stories on the news sometimes sensational stories on the news about extreme cases of this and you feel so helpless and so helping with comfort cases has been one of the ways that i feel like you know just on a on a personal level that i'm actually doing something to contribute to help children that are in those situations yeah you know i i will tell you i i never can get i'm so proud of our charity and about all the volunteers who've come out to help but you know a lot of times i i i truly do keep up at night thinking about i wish we didn't have to have comfort cases right I wish that we could actually help the families before the children even enter the system. Enter the system. I think a lot of people get shocked to hear when I say, I believe in reunification. Okay? I do. Even though I have adopted four kids out of the foster care system and I love my babies so much, I wish that they would have been able to be reunified with their parents. Absolutely. And I wish that we as a community could have stepped up and helped those birth mothers before it got to where it got where we had to file for adoption. Well, and I think a lot of people maybe don't understand that some of these parents who have trouble parenting were also in the foster care system themselves. Yes, yes. I'm going to tell you, it's, you know, it's a repeating, repeating, repeating. We see this quite often. Their mother was in foster care. Somebody from their family was in foster care. You know, I say to my children quite often, I tell them that they have an opportunity to break the cycle, to break the cycle, just like I had an opportunity to break that cycle. Right. And, and look at what you've done. Yes, absolutely. And, and every one of those children, if given the right opportunity or making those right choices, given an education, they have those opportunities to do something like what you're doing. Yeah. You know, I, I say it quite often, you know, it's about choices, you know, making the right choice. And, and that's not always easy. 
That is not always easy. Those of you who have read our book, A Forever Family, and, you know, have really followed our story, you know, I'm very, very blunt when it comes to my road was difficult and still is, still is. You know, as a kid from a shattered system, as so many of these kids are, we carry that baggage around forever, forever. That sense of, am I worthy? That sense of, do I matter? You know, and I, I want these kids, I hope every child who who has, and by the way, I know you, some of you are adults, but I still consider you kids. But when you aged out of this system, I hope you hear this podcast. I hope you realize that you do have a voice and you do matter. And what I hope that comfort cases can do is to give them the strength, give them the strength that they need to cross over to say, I deserve this. And I know from reading, we get so many letters from people who work at the agencies where the cases are sent or sometimes from foster parents about how much the the items in the comfort cases mean to the kids who receive them because they've never had it before. Like I know you tell the story about your daughter getting the first pair of new pajamas when you know she first came to your house and you went shopping all day and it was the first time she smiled because nobody had ever given her a new pair of pajamas. And for a lot of people like me who grew up, you know, basically having everything that I needed from my parents, it's really hard to believe that that happens and that there's that many children um, that go through that and just knowing that that while it might seem, you know, oh, it's just a new pair of pajamas. Oh, it's just a stuffed animal to, to a lot of people who have enough. To those kids, it means everything. It means that they matter. It means somebody cared about me. Somebody's thinking of me. And in those moments when they're being taken from their home and with a police officer and it's scary and, you know, going through a all these changes with people they don't know, those items are just so comforting. It just means so much. You know, I I will tell you, you're exactly right. You're exactly right on that. I have a friend of mine. She lives in D.C. She has a nonprofit that um, they collect every holiday, every Christmas, they collect pajamas from every single state. And, and they try to do it in every country as well. And I think last year, and I'll have to reach out to Kathy about this. I'd love to have her on our show. I think it would be great to talk to Kathy as a, as a mother who adopted three boys out of the system. Um, but she knows how important those pajamas are. And she collects, I think she did 2,500 pairs of pajamas last year for oh, kids wow. in the system. That's amazing. Um, because, yes, yeah, something is, is that we take for granted, tearing a tag off something brand new that, by the way, nobody else has worn before. You know, let me tell you, my kids, I have boys, my three youngest are boys. Um, they hand clothes down to each other, and that's that's perfectly fine. But when you're a child who comes into the system with your entire life just shattered in your eyes, um, and then you're given hand-me-downs from somebody else who, by the way, is not your sibling, um, it's a little degrading. You know, we have to, I think so much, we don't think about the mindset of these children. You know, the bar soap, the bar soap. Right. Great example. You know, every one of you who is listening to this podcast, I guarantee you, you will have taken a vacation this year. You have stayed in a hotel. I know that you never call that hotel and say, leave the bar soap from the people before me. Yuck. Yeah. Yuck. Leave it because I'm going to use it. No, you won't. It's called dignity. These kids walk into a home of strangers, strangers, and we then tell them, simulate. Go ahead. Jump into this family like you've been there forever and grab that bar of soap and lather your body up. 
It just hurts your mind. It hurts your mind. It hurts your inner core of what dignity is supposed to be. That's why at Comfort Cases, we want to make sure everybody gets a brand new bar of soap. Everybody gets their own toiletry set. Toothbrush. You know, because toothbrush. I know you didn't have you said you didn't have a toothbrush when you were when you were in foster care, when you were younger, right? When I was younger, you know, like I said, I don't remember going to the dentist for the first time until I was like eighteen when I was in the Navy. I don't remember ever going to a dentist. Um but I will tell you that and I, one day we'll, we'll be live and you'll be able to see, hopefully, if you go and visit our website, you'll see my beautiful pearly whites, Dana. And by the way, you know they're beautiful. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> they cost me an arm and a leg. An arm and a leg. Because I think that as a child, how important it is to teach our children good hygiene. Right. You know, Even I rem- though they hate having to do it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I got to tell you this Quick funny story. My son, Makai, you know, we'll talk a lot in this podcast about your beautiful two children and my kids. But my son, Makai, who, you know, I, I hope we actually do a whole episode on fetal alcohol syndrome. That's a great, Dana, that's a great thing. We should do that. Absolutely. You yes. Know, we should we should talk about that because I think so many times that we don't talk about the baggage these kids carry. And so my son, Makai, who has fetal alcohol syndrome, um, he is going to be 13 in December. And the one thing that he will tell everybody, and I love it, he says, I've never had a cavity. Oh, He's never, <laughs> ever had a cavity. And I really believe, now true, I do know that genetically our teeth are, you know, some teeth are softer and all that. My son Tristan is a prime example of that. But what I see with Makai is that we've, made sure to teach him that brushing your teeth can be fun. It can be, you know, sing that happy birthday song. You know, I remember one of my children arriving and they had eight cavities, eight cavities because they had never used a toothbrush. I also remember just a year ago, the last silver cap fell off. So they had silver caps in their mouth because their teeth were so bad in their back teeth. And I'll never forget, never forget bringing that silver cap and saying, I no longer will have a silver cap. By the way, they've never had a cavity since that first cap was put on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just believe that, you know, again, letting kids know that they matter. They deserve to have a toothbrush. They deserve to know the importance of that. They also deserve to have a lot of other things that we're going to talk about, you know, an education, financial success, understanding that they deserve to have everything that my children are going to get and your children are going to get. Right. And understanding also that when it comes to everything from something as simple and as cheap as a toothbrush to an education and opportunities that the government is not providing that. No, they're not. There's no accountability for that stipend that's given out every month, by the way. People say, I hear people say to me, just the other day, just the other day, I had somebody say to me, well, you know, they, they, they get a check every month. No, no, no. They do not get a check every month. The people who are supposed to be taking care of them gets a check every month. That's who gets the check. And that check is to be to provide for the child that's in your home. You know, and, and again, we're going to break down that whole stipend and, and how it should be used and how the states, every state is different. Oh, my gosh. It right. shocks me, Dana, how all the states are so different in, you know, their stipend. And we'll get into that. I mean, I tell you, this will be years talking about all the crazy things that have happened and, and this shattered. And again, I, let's repeat this. You know, I, I want you all to hear this on this podcast. Something that is broken, 
something that is broken. Give me the super glue. I'll put it back together. But when it's shattered, shattered, you have to rebuild it. You have to rebuild it. And this system, it must get rebuilt. It must get rebuilt. You know, I, I think about the years that have gone by for these kids who nobody has given them a voice. You know, that nobody is doing what I, I really feel that you and I are making change today. You know, fostering change is what it's called. It's, you know, and I, I, I was on a conference call earlier this morning and somebody said to me, Rob, what, what can we do? What, what can we do? And I said, you know what? You're already taking the first step. You're taking the first step. You're talking about it. Yes. Yes, we are. And learning and trying to educate other people about it too. Once you know better, you try to do better. Right. And that's why I'm here because I, you know, I wish I had all the money in the world to donate and all that, but I have my time and, and that's why I'm here. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast with you. And, and, you know, time is valuable. <laughs> Take it from you and I who like, you know, seven days a week. Time is valuable. And the fact that you're giving up your time to do this, I mean, let me tell you, everybody, for those who, who have followed us and, and know all about us, um, I was absolutely humbled. Um, take that back. I don't want to use the word humble because I was told by our executive director that I need to stop using that word because I deserve this. I deserve this. So I was grateful, grateful to get a call and email and from Dana and and I'd been following Dana on and on stuff I knew who she was and you know what she was doing out there when it comes to radio and podcast and um but she asked me to be on her podcast show and I was just like wow and I'd done some other podcasts by the way but I had never done a podcast besides my friend Sarah Sarah Frazier give you a big shout yes, out my I love. love Sarah um I had never been in a podcast studio where I had sat and looked at someone I called people I'd done it over Skype or Zoom. Right. But you and Sarah are the only two people that I've I've ever been in front of. And I sat down with you and it was just chemistry. Yeah. It really was for you and I. And I remember saying to you after the podcast was, we got to do our own podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, and here we are. It took a couple months, but here we are. <laughs> you know what? It Good things come for those who wait. And, yes. you know, and I'm telling you, if you're a kid and you're, you're aging out of the system or you have aged out of the system... Remember, remember, you matter. Remember, this show, call us up, email us. We want to hear your story. We do. I, you know, one of the things that Rob and I have been talking about and other people here at Comfort Cases is just how many people have a story to tell. And Rob always says, you know, we need to use our listening ears and everybody has a story and it's so true. And we want this podcast so that we can talk about the things that are important and, and things that are going on and facts about foster care and to answer questions. But we also want to use this podcast for people to be able to tell their stories. What was your experience as a foster parent? What's your experience been like as, you know, a child growing up in the foster care system? Um, what would, what do you wish would change about the foster care system? How can we make it better? And just all those different things. And we're going to have a whole bunch of interviews too. Um, Rob knows a lot of people. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to have some great guests on Barbara Harrison, who is a local TV personality. Oh, my wonderful, wonderful friend, Barbara. You know, I, I write about it in the book. First of all, I am so lucky to call her my friend. You know, I can't wait for her to be on this show. And, and you know, she has been in the trenches, in the trenches of foster care for over 30 years. 
She started Wednesday's Child, which, by the way, I know some of you who are listening throughout our country, you have Wednesday's Child in your area. I remember watching it on TV. I grew up in Massachusetts, and yes. I remember watching it. Do you realize, though, the first original Wednesday's Child happened right here? And she started it? And she started oh, it. Oh, wow. She started Wednesday's Child. And it has been, she's received amazing awards, Emmys. Um, she's just an amazing human being, and I'm so lucky to call her friend. You know, I'm also excited that, you know, we're going to have Alec Mappa on our show, comedian, amazing dad who adopted through foster care, who really brings some comedic relief to something that's so, so painful. Absolutely. And he hosted the gala and he was hilarious. He, and and so, I mean, what he says has so much meaning behind it and he, and he makes such good points, but he also does it with a sense of humor, which I think sometimes helps to get people to listen. I agree with you 100% on that, Dana. You know, it's it's okay to laugh. Yes. It's okay to laugh. You know, yep. it's taken me many years to realize that. You know, the other person I'm really excited to talk to is my friend Lisa Merkin. Lisa is the in charge of Montgomery County Child and Family Services. And I'm going to give her a call and, and invite her on the show. I know Lisa's a firm, firm believer. She's dedicated her whole life to help kids in the system. So I'm excited to hear her viewpoints. You know, also my amazing friend, Amy Ketzenberg. And most people are going to be like, what, what is Amy going to tell us? Let me tell you. First of all, look up Amy. She is a world-renowned handbook designer. She actually heard me give a speech several years ago, and you know she'll be the first one to say that her life has been pretty easy, and that she didn't even think about foster care, like you know, most like me. People. Yeah, don't, don't really think about it. And I will tell you that Amy and her husband Sean have made it a point to dedicate so much of their time, their money, their energy to making sure comfort cases are successful. And I love to get Amy's point of view because this was something new for her. So I'm excited about that. Um, and so many other friends. But you know what? Who I really want to hear from and really want to talk to is all of you with your stories. All of you with your stories. You know, I, Dana's right. I mean, I say it all the time. Use your listening ears because we all have a story. You never know how your story will impact someone. And I know there are lots of people out there that are listening to this podcast and they're thinking to themselves, how could I tell my story? Well, here's your opportunity. It's your opportunity to step up because your story, your story could help a child today tomorrow. You have no idea. Maybe it could give that little push that that child or that young adult needs to hear to say, I'm not alone. And it can also inspire people like me who didn't really know much about the foster care system or didn't really understand how living in the system can affect you. Maybe it can inspire somebody to want to step up and make changes and donate and give of their time or to be a foster parent even to step up. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait till we have the episode of how you can become a foster parent. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just actually on Saturday, I was giving a speech and I had a couple walk up to me and they had just finished their classes to become foster parents, you know, and I was so excited to talk to them. And the thing I said to them, as I said, I know that this journey is going to be hard. But I want you to know that if you can change a child's life for just one day, just one day, you could truly change that child's future. 
I know that a lot of you are hearing this and you're thinking to yourself, how could I do that? I don't want to hurt my heart. I don't want to break my heart. I don't want to be sad when they're taken away. Oh, they're going to come and get yanked from myths, 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 myths. Yeah. Is the heart, is your heart going to hurt a little bit? You better believe it. Better believe it. I couldn't imagine my children leaving, you know, but at the same time, if I'm able to give them a foundation, a foundation of love and support to knowing that I'm there for them, it's worth it. It is so worth it, you know, because there's another child that will need it and another child and another child. Right. I I tell people all the time, how can you not do this? If you're truly thinking, and again, parenting is not for everybody. Okay, I think parenting <laughs> right. is not for everybody. Um, but if you're truly considering adoption, if you're c- truly considering making a difference, truly consider foster care. You know, I've thought about it, and I don't know that it's right something that my family could do right at this moment. My husband and I have talked about it, but I feel like I need an education about what what exactly do we need? We we do we have enough bedrooms in our house? You know, how would we deal with childcare if we can't, you know, I mean childcare is so expensive here in Montgomery County. Does, you know, what covers that when we need childcare? My children are typical children. I have no idea how to deal with a child with special needs or that's gone through trauma. So, how do you learn how to deal with that? And I think those are, you know, concerns that a lot of people would have about whether or not they want to be a foster parent. I absolutely love every single thing you just brought up, Dana, every single thing, because I think that those questions that you just, oh my gosh, you and I are going to have the best time with this. (laughs) Those questions that you just asked about, people are afraid to ask. See, we've all been thinking that this is a money, 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 money thing. And by the way, it is a system that makes money on the backs of children, but it's okay to ask those questions because you're right. Childcare is expensive. Daycare can be at the price of more than the price of a house payment sometimes. Oh, so, in Montgomery County, it sure is. Better believe it. You know what? But we're here to walk you through it and let you know that, you know, if you bring a child into your home from the system, daycare has helped. You get you get help with so many things. We're going to make the whole list of things that you get help from. You know, I don't want there ever to be a reason not to take a child from the system. Um, you know, the fact is, is we don't have enough beds. That's why we have group homes. Mm-hmm. That's why we have group homes because we don't have enough beds. Right. And we're going to do an episode just talking about group homes and stuff. Cause I guess you were telling me the other day, there were some States that are trying to get rid of group homes, yes. but that's not really the way to handle the problem because w- there's still not enough places for I them know, to where sleep. Where are they going to go in a locker? I mean, it's like we, it, this is the thing that blows my mind. And, and, and again, I, I'm so, so, so absolutely grateful to have this platform to talk about this because we make these rash, rash decisions and say, no group homes. We're going to try to eliminate group homes. What's the alternative? What's right. the alternative? Where are they going to go? Yeah. I mean, if we're not doing some major recruitment for foster parents, then where are we going to put these amazing, beautiful children? Okay. Um, we we got to think this out. Right. Well, and I, I also think that hopefully we'll be able to look into, or I'll be able to learn more anyway, and we can teach people more about who's making all these decisions that don't make sense. 
you know, I know you mentioned that um, that Lisa Merkin from Child and Family Services in Montgomery County is amazing and she's great and she's working in the system and she's dedicated her life to this. But where in the system are the people that are <laughs> that are screwing it up? <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, it's the same people who have probably never met a child in the system. Right. The people way at the yeah. very top who it's just yeah. it's not there. Yeah, they, they probably have never met a child in the system or much less broke bread with a child in the system. Um, it, it saddens my heart when, when, I, when I hear decisions are being made and they're not involving the people that it affects. Right. The people that it affects. You know, and we're going to break all that down. We're going to break the, how different states are. I mean, come on. States and in D.C., they're so different. I mean, most of you don't even realize that in, in the District of Columbia, if you want to be a, a foster parent, can't have bunk beds. Bunk beds are not allowed in the District of Columbia for children in the foster care system. I guarantee you there is many listeners who have bunk beds in their home yep. and don't think twice about my it. My son has a loft bed. Yes. Nobody sleeps under him, but he's got the high up bed. Let me tell you, my son, Tristan, he has, he, he's, and I think he's on his third bunk bed as a kid. And, and he loves my, my other son, Makai. He has a big loft bed too. And uh, there's nothing wrong with a bunk bed. Come on. You know, yeah, a, a bunk bed is so dangerous compared to being neglected or or left in a system or sleeping in a group home when you could have a loving family. Let me tell you, my when when my husband and I were in D.C. and and we were becoming foster parents, you know, we were thinking about how we could utilize the most space. So we lived in D.C. as you all know, you know, there are not many houses there. It's mostly brownstones and and we wanted to try to utilize the most space to get the maximum number of children that if they needed a place to sleep. And when I will never forget the, the, the social worker telling us that we couldn't have bunk beds, My, we were shocked. We were just like, what? You know, I can understand if you tell me not to have a cord from a, a shade because they can wrap their neck around it. And, right. But not a bunk bed. I this was like. That, that just blew my mind. And, and so as I did more research, I realized that there's other states in our country that have some of these wacky, wacky rules. Um, you know, listen up. If you're listening to our podcast and you have any opportunity to, to make votes and, and help us, you know, reform the shattered system, let's use a common sense. A little bit of common sense. You know, we want safety for these children. We want a future for these children. But we also want a home for these children, a home. Stop making obstacles that are ridiculous. Yeah, and I'm sure there's so many more things like that. Oh, we're going to find out. (laughs) We're going to find out, Dana. We're going to find out. Well, did you want to talk about the border at all? Oh, you know, wow. The border. Because I know just from helping out with the Comfort Cases Facebook page that we get messages every single day and comments every single day from people wanting to know what we're doing as an organization to help the kids at the border. Are we sending comfort cases to children at the border? Um, And, you know, then they want to know what they can do to help us help those children. So, you know, Dana, this is, this is such a slippery slope. It's a complicated issue. It really is. It really is. I say this and I, I, I stand by what I say. Kids who are in the system, do not care whether you're blue or you're red. What they care about is that they matter. That's what's important to them is that they matter. And when it comes to kids who these 
migrant children who are entering our country, I'm not going to sit here and ever make a call on whether or not that's right or wrong or how they're entering the system. What I have to think about is that they have entered the system. Okay. And they're innocent children. They're innocent children that are here. And by the way, we started out our podcast by talking about choices. These kids have entered the system because of choices that other people made. Right. We cannot blame these kids and we have to give them what they deserve, which some dignity. So yes, what are we doing in comfort cases? We're getting comfort cases to them. We have been sending comfort cases to kids from the border since last year. And by the way, Dana, as shocking as this is, I've actually gotten some slack about it. You know, help our own. Why are we doing oh, this? Right. Of course. Yes. Yep. It, <laughs> We're doing both. <laughs> yeah. And we are, by the way. Yeah. And, but we still need your help. You know, people say, well, what are those cases different than any other case? Understand these children don't speak English. So we put bilingual books in for them. You know, I want their future to be bright. I don't want them to come into a country. And by the way, we don't know what's going to be the outcome for these kids. But while you're here, we want you to feel like home. Right. We want you to feel like home. I think it's really, really important for people to understand that. You know, the fact is, is that we have actually been giving cases out since 2018 for kids who are, who are crossing the border, what we call the unoccupied refugee minors of, in foster care. And we've delivered a thousand cases to 15 states. So if, if you, you look at you know, how you can help, how you can help these, let me tell you, I've had people reach out to me and say, you know, when are you going to the border? When are you going to the border? You think they're going to let this goat farmer from Darnstown, Maryland into one of these camps? It ain't happening. Right. The, nobody, can, nobody can get in. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just such a horrible situation. And there's also a process that these children have to go through in order to actually get into our country's foster care system because they come through Customs and Border Patrol and they're supposed to be, if I have this right, they're supposed to be only in their care for 72 hours. But lately it's been taking up to 10 days for those children, for them to determine whether or not they're going to stay with their parents, whether or not they're going to be put into our foster care system. Once they actually enter our foster care system, that's when the comfort cases can get to them. Exactly, exactly. And we have a statement actually on the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org to explain exactly how this works and where you can learn more about what the process is. Because while, yeah, it would be great if, you know, if we could just load up a truck and go to the border, which we actually talked about doing. We did, we did. um, The fact of the matter is to spend all those resources knowing that there's just really no way that we're actually going to get into that it's not like rob's going to be there in the in the in the detention center handing out cases even though we would love for him to be able to do that you know and and i'm glad you brought that up you brought up using the resources because you know when people make a donation to comfort cases and by the way i i will repeat to everyone we are a 95 percent volunteer ran charity so when people make a donation to comfort cases um and by the way if you're a big corporation and you're out there listening we would love to have you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we would love to have you but you know what we have actually um grew and survived on the donation of our neighbors, okay, of our neighbors. And by the way, all of you are our neighbors, no matter what your zip code is, we're all neighbors. Um, We have a responsibility to use those funds, you know, in the way that 
if I took the dollar out of my pocket. And loading up a large truck with thousands of comfort cases and driving to the border, what is that going to solve? Because we know for a fact, we know for a fact that these cases are not going to get to these kids why they're in the detention centers. You know, right. we have reached out to Health and Human Services. We have reached out to our counties, our states. They're, they're, it's falling on deaf ears, okay? So why am I going to use that money when I could instead use that money to get those cases to kids when they enter the system after the 72 hours or 10 days or, you know, be there for the support? Um, because going down there into that, media create you know and and let me tell you i have built this charity with so many people because of social media and media i'm not going to use them the wrong way right. you know i'm not going to sit here and go down to the border and start pointing fingers that you did this wrong you did this right what i'm going to do is try to be a solution to give these kids some dignity and hope you know i haven't been to the border you know, I haven't seen it. I've heard about it. I've read about it. I've watched it on TV. As a parent, I'm saddened. I'm saddened because I say this quite often. I want to raise my children to be good humans. I just don't think we're being good humans right now. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are not and a lot of people in power that are not doing what they should be doing with their power. Yeah. You know, we're all leaders. We're all leaders. I say it. You can come to our center in Rockville, Maryland, pack some cases, and you'll see throughout our center that we have lead by example on the walls because we're all leaders. This is a time when we must lead by example. And again, you can help us. You can help us by visiting comfortcases.org, by continuing to make those donations, join our Comfort XL program where just $10 a month, you can truly make a difference in a child's life. We are going to continue the work. And by the way, the work includes the children entering our country from the border. Yes, it does. When they come into our foster care system, they are receiving comfort cases. You know, and and you know, and again, I hope you visit our blog and 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 really educate yourself about these refugee children because I think everybody would be kind of surprised if they truly educated themselves about how the process is. And we're going to do an episode on that, hopefully. Yes, and you know what? I would hope we. Oh my gosh, I I have to reach out to um to um our scholarship recipient um two years ago he came over here as a refugee from the congo and um he'd been in the system for about seven years and you know he's now i think he's in his second year at the university of rochester and i write about him in our book and um you know i i'd love to have him on our show you know to talk about you know what a difference you know being in our system coming across from you know from you know someone and by the way the border is everywhere. So it's not just down in Texas and Arizona and Sandia. It's it's our border is the Canadian lines and you know the East Coast and the West Coast. It doesn't you know if you're entering our country, okay, as a child, there's a process. Doesn't matter where you're coming from, it's a process, you know, and this young man went through that process and I'd love to hear his story. Absolutely. So Dana, I, I'm going to tell you, I am I am so excited. I know this has been our, our this is our first episode, and I know we covered a lot of things in the last you know 30 minutes, and and you know actually I think we've been talking for longer than that, and I don't know how you're going to be able to cut it down. Um, but again, understand that everyone who's listening, this is about fostering change 
change. Yes. And that you have the ability, whether it's a financial donation or donating your time, becoming a mentor, learning how to become a foster parent, uh, doing any of those things, whether it's for comfort cases, obviously we want it to be for comfort cases, but or for anything in your community that touches you. Everybody can make a difference and be a leader and take some of their time and donate it for the good of the community and for children and just for people who are suffering. I agree. I agree. We're all doers. Remember that you are a doer. Our country and our world has revolved because of doers now get out there and do dana and i would like to thank all of you for listening to the fostering change podcast you can subscribe on apple podcasts google play spotify and stitcher make sure you follow comfort cases on facebook instagram and twitter at comfort cases And check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Shear 6. And please share this podcast and leave us a review. Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.